I started looking for a solution to my first world problem, which was how can I actually keep more of my income tax and keep the income from my income tax so that I could then use that capital in other types of streams of investing. What I started doing was looking for a way. I was asking different questions. And the question was, you know, it does something exist out there for me to be able to do that? When I found out the answer was yes, I then started moving more towards the energy sector. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you reach financial independence through real estate investing and help you build wealth on Main Street. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. And today, our guest is Billy Keels. Billy's been on the show before. Today, we're going through his story of becoming a financially independent and ultimately retired, former high-earning, busy professional. He has a fascinating personal and professional story. We're going through that today and how he grew up lower middle class to ultimately becoming a very wealthy, successful real estate investor who is American, but he's lived in Spain and Europe really for the over the last 20 years. Just has such a success story. Today, we're going through how he got started as a real estate investor, had a few fumbles, built systems, scaled, and ultimately really escaped his corporate life through finding one final strategy, one last piece to put in place that helped him save on his taxes. And we're talking about really his progression and growth over time, building his network and ultimately building his brand. Such fascinating lessons. He's such a wealth of knowledge. I've known Billy for a few years now, probably since 2017 or 2018, we originally connected. And he's always just such a pleasure to talk to, such a wealth of knowledge, so willing to share and dig into the nitty gritty and just such a great conversation. You're going to really enjoy this one. It's a very inspiring, fascinating, and and just compelling story and a great guy to talk to. So you're going to learn a ton. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor. And to date, I have acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate deals. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. I really do mean that. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping Wall Street along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Really look forward to seeing you here three times a week. Look forward to seeing those numbers go up. And I love the feedback that we get about how this knowledge is helping you build wealth on Main Street. Once again, our guest today is Billy Keels. We're going through his story of achieving financial independence and escaping his high-earning corporate position through real estate investing and other strategies. Without any further ado, here we go. Billy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to reconnect. I think, heck, we've known each other five or six years now. But we don't speak super often because you're over in Europe. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about yourself, what you do and where you came from? Excited to talk about your story today. Yeah, man. So, and this is just, this is absolutely great. And just by the way, Taylor, and you know, I like do this all the time as a guest here. I just want to remind everybody, if you all have not taken just a couple seconds to leave Taylor an honest written review, as well as a rating, take a second to do that because it's really, really helpful. It helps him. 
to also attract guests that are going to give you more golden nuggets to help you move forward faster. So Taylor, I hope that's okay. Me just yeah, saying that, I know you. I'm just a new guest here and just all that kind of just jazz. So, uh, so we'll kind of go from there, but yeah, so I'm still this guy from, from Columbus, Ohio, middle-class kid, lower middle-class kid, you know, tra- lived in a couple different States in the U S I have two degrees from a college in the Southwest of Ohio and was afforded an option after I was rejected two times for my dream job. I was rejected twice. It hurt a lot. And what I did was rather than try to continue to bang my head against the wall, I decided to pivot and took a one-year sabbatical because I was able to find an amazing role after I was rejected twice. And it allowed me the opportunity to work and travel throughout some 58 different countries by the time I was 26. And so after that, I'd seen so much of the world, took a one-year sabbatical to Europe, was supposed to go to France about wine, learn the French language and culture, and also learn how to salsa dance. I did those things and I also wanted to stay. So since then, I left Paris, moved to the south of France, and I got in the IT industry where I ended up staying another 21 years. So I was primarily working, leading in sales organizations and also a sales executive in hardware and then eventually in the software. I also lived in Italy for a while, starting a sales organization. And then I moved to Barcelona, Spain, because I met a woman back when I was in France. She's from Barcelona. So I moved here to Barcelona. We've got two wonderful kids. And uh, up until recently, I was also part of the corporate world, but uh, fortunately able to, thanks to a lot of the investments that I was making, taking more control over my life, retired from corporate in my late forties. And now I am really investing my time with the people that I love the most, where they are, and it just doesn't really matter because I can live in Barcelona, Spain, which is where I am now. But I quite frequently find myself traveling to different places, either around Europe or the U.S. Awesome. That's great. And I'd love to dig you know, into your story today, getting started in real estate investing, how you set that long-term vision, and then ultimately leading to those last couple of years, what enabled you to escape the corporate world. So let's rewind the clock. How did you like first get started investing in real estate? Because you're doing it from a, a very long distance, right? Yeah. So, and it's a great, great point. So I have always invested exclusively back in the United States. So all of the assets that I and my companies now invest in are all in the US and I have chosen to live in Europe just because of my lifestyle, my family and things like that. And so two negative things happen. It's usually the negative things that make us kind of pivot and start to get better and stronger. And I lost, I'd been working for about five years. And in 2000, the dot-com bubble hit. For those of us that were working then, it was kind of terrible because the only thing that I knew how to invest, quote unquote, was in the stock market, in my 401k. And then I eventually got an IRA and I had no control. And then my financial advisor said, you know, you're going to do some DCA, dollar cost averaging. So just keep putting the same amount of money every month. And eventually it's going to come back. Fortunately, he was right. It actually even went beyond where it was before. But then this thing, the great financial crisis happened in 2008. And that really took the wind out of my sales. I lost 33% of my portfolio. And I realized if it happens once, shame on them. If it happens twice, shame on me. And so that's when I started looking for other solutions. Like how can I get more control over my income beyond my day job and be able to do it in a way that I can control? So I've started watching videos and reading books and listening to podcasts. And I thought I was going to take all that knowledge and invest here in Barcelona, Spain, but because I was looking for cash flow, like I wanted money every month and the things that I was imbe- looking to invest in, it didn't pencil out. And so I realized that, hey, some a couple of friends said, look, well, you're from the US, why don't you invest over there? And I thought that seems like the one of the most insane <laughs> things I've ever heard because like, how am I going to manage that? But long story short, I ended up doing that. I really fell in love with long distance investing, like 
being able to literally live wherever you want. And I know this is close to your heart as well, but then investing where it makes the most sense for you and your lifestyle, because what it allowed me to do is not focus so much on the specific property, but someone like me, who's a high control, high A kind of person, I had to focus on the process. And so focusing on the process rather than the properties also allowed me and my teams eventually, because I didn't do it right the first couple of years, eventually to be able to provide the right services to our, and our, and our tenants. So let me stop there because I don't want to keep running on too much, but that's kind of how I got into the investing and why I got into the investment because I kind of lost control with, with Wall Street. Wow. I love that. And I'm sure the experience of living in Europe during, during the great financial crisis is very distinct from the experience over here, just in this very different place. And there was austerity and it's been a long time. I don't remember all the details, but that's maybe a discussion for another day. So you mentioned the process and I'm big on that because processes and, you know, hiring people and all that kind of thing has really helped me scale my real estate business more than pretty much anything else other than maybe having my mindset in the right place. So what are some examples of processes that helped you continue to scale? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll tell you kind of what wasn't working in the beginning. Like I, we eventually, I just bought my very first duplex, right? I bought a duplex because I had money in the bank and I was tired of that money sitting in the bank. So went out, found a property that was a distressed property. There was someone who was looking, parent just passed away. They didn't want to move to the city where the place was. They wanted the money and run, take the money and run. So we were able to come up with a, an equitable agreement for the two of us. The money in, put some extra value into the property and eventually got to paying families. Well, the challenge was I got everything started. And even though I read all the books, I got people into the property because I knew that I needed to do that very quickly. But what I forgot to do was actually have a true property management company managing it. Because at the time I thought, well, th there weren't really any property management companies in that area, which was a big, now that I look back on it, it was a kind of a big a red light or a red, yeah, red flashing light to say, hey, be careful. The closest property management company was like 45 minutes to an hour away. And what happened is eventually the residents started having problems, but we didn't have any systems in place. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to get in touch with me. I, was, I had a European phone number. They had an email, but I wasn't getting the, the, the messages until the next day. And so you can imagine that that's not a very good service level because number one, they're sending an email, they don't get any type of response. And then when they did get a response, it was the next day and it just kind of a little bit crazy. So what does that do? We had a problem. So we had to fix that problem. So eventually we got, and this is very tactical, right? Extremely tactical. But what we did is we ended up having a 24 hour day, seven day a week outsourced telephone service so that we, I would always receive an email or a text message in the event that there was an issue. And then had the handyman, and that's just one kind of like had an issue. We we weren't having a really good customer service experience. Eventually, we changed, got the answering service, and that helped a portion of it. So that we focused on making that process better, so that our residents knew that if they had an issue, that number one, they had a place to call, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and they got a response quickly. And then based on that response, depending on the severity of the issue, it happened right away or you know within a certain amount of time. So that's I know it's probably extremely tactical, Taylor. But it was that was focusing on how we could improve our customer service. We also looked at things like how do we make sure that we also have the residents that we actually believe are going to also really want to stay in the property, that are going to pay the property and also are going to keep the property maintained in, in the right kind of way. Because in the beginning, we had no process. And so once we eventually got that right, we saw that the properties started having less issues in terms of repairs and the people were staying longer. And so that also helped. So two very tactical examples, one, just improving customer service, two, in terms of being able to attract 
the residents that w- we felt were going to be the, the right residents to actually appreciate the, the properties and also keep us in line in terms of what we should have been delivering as a uh, as the owner of the property. So hopefully that wasn't too tactical, but sometimes I think we kind of got to get into the weeds to help people understand. Absolutely. No, great examples. And I, I love the specificity of that answer. So let's plow forward and, and get into how you scaled up. I, I'm thinking, you know, if we're thinking about the time frame, you know, what did things start to look like in the late, you know, mid to late 20 teens as you're growing your real estate portfolio? That was around the time maybe we originally connected. You were at your vacation home in the Pyrenees, I think it was. I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Great memory, man. <laughs> so what what did it look like at that time? You're really doing well, but maybe not quite ready to leave the corporate world. Yeah, I mean, at that point, so one of the things that I realized is because I started later than than many people because I was really bought into the corporate dream. Like I was, you know, I was one of those people. Now, just to kind of give you an idea, like the, the company that I worked for was in the enterprise application software space. There's a company called repview.com and I was looking it up because they they take a lot of information from employees. And back in 2019, 2020, right before I left, like the highest end wage earners, like, and I was, I was traveling to Hawaii because I was a top achiever quite frequently. And according to RepView back in 2019, like the highest wage earners for our company were earning at the $1.2 million per year, right? I wasn't quite at the $1.2 million, but you know, I was, I wasn't, wasn't really, really super far away. And, and the reason that I say that is because you get into this point where I was so bought into the corporate dream that I wasn't really focusing on investing in myself until I lost that 33% in the, in the stock market. So I started really late. Like I was almost 40 years old before I started. So I knew that I had to kind of go a little bit faster than most people who got started much sooner. And so it was about how, how could I add additional small multifamilies to my portfolio and then ended up buying a, multi, a mobile home park as well learned, I got a mentor, learned how to actually go out and select a property. Don't just buy a property because it's next to your parents. Not a good way to do it. <laughs> That's how I started doing it. Actually, you need to have a structure and look at the team and the location. Are, what are you actually looking for? Are you looking for cash flow, appreciation? Are you looking for whatever? And so once I figured that out and bought the mobile home park, you know, I got to a point where there was probably 35, 30, 35 doors of, that I owned hundred percent. Then I found out I was something called an accredited investor. And so this sounded really, really cool. And it was like, oh, hang on a second. I can give somebody else two, $300,000. They will do all of the work and then I will get returns. That started happening. The returns weren't the same as me doing all the work, by the way. It was a different type of return, but I wasn't putting in my time. And so I invested into a number of larger multifamily buildings, you know, the typical 200, 250. I got into a couple of hotel development projects where like 160, just short of 200 doors and also got into ATM machines, invested in. 14, 15 of those, and also then got into the energy space and started investing in energy equipment. And each one of these vehicles, and because I look at these assets as different vehicles, had a specific role that were helped me to be able to move forward. So if, I think if you look at the total number of assets that were working, it's probably just short of six or 700 assets in differing forms. But each one of these assets, some of them were great with monthly distributions on cash flow. Some were great with equity buildup over time. Some of them were going to be brand new and there was going to be low maintenance and high cash flow. And some of them were also going to help me with being able to keep my income tax, which was something that was really important to me. And as a student who was long, working along the way and studying along the way and networking and meeting new people, it was a matter of how do I take all of these different assets, these different vehicles, combine them to truly help get me to goal. And that's what a lot of you are looking for, right? This is, or I know that's what I was looking for, to be able to leave corporate and be able to do it on my terms. 
Fortunately, I was able to do that in my late 40s. I didn't do it because of money. I did it because there were some things that were happening in my, in my personal life. My dad got really ill, but then I realized, wow, you know, I've got all these different assets that are working for me. I know what my expenses are every single month. And so it was time for me to leave corporate life. And I know I'm combining a bunch of different things, but hopefully it gives you an idea of the, of the assets, kind of where I started in my late 30s, almost 40 years old, and then worked really, really hard in my corporate job to be a great employee. And then also on my private life to make sure that I was able to retire in my, in my late forties. And I was able to do that from, or let me not say retire, but I was able to leave corporate on my terms in my late forties and am now, you know, completely the owner of my, my time and my destiny. Awesome. Well, reaching financial independence and quote unquote, retiring early for a lot of people does not necessarily mean being retired and just kind of, you know, Are you investing in real estate passively, but don't know what red flags to look for? Well, we've got the answer for you, a free seven-day video course on red flags in passive real estate investing that you can get right now by going to PassiveRealEstateCourse.com. Seven days, seven videos, seven red flags in passive real estate investing. Check it out, PassiveRealEstateCourse.com. Now back to the show for lack of a better term, loafing around the rest of your life. For a lot of people, it just means finding a different thing to do that brings you some kind of meeting. And heck, maybe it makes some money. Maybe it doesn't make money depending on what your actual interests are. But I think the most fulfilled people who have reached financial independence continue to have some kind of work, quote unquote, but they just get to decide what it is that they want to do and still have a reason to get up early in the morning, that kind of a thing. So Agreed. Toward the end of your corporate life, you had this big tax problem, you know, Mm. as a lot of high earning W-2 type of folks do. How Mm. did you handle that? And and how did your handling of that help you, you know, get to the point where you're like, all right, I'm I'm done with this job thing? Yeah, you know, and I know this is one of the things which is which is also I love about your approach, Taylor, is that you're you're always looking for what you know, what are the ways that you can solve new problems? And and just also I'll put it out there, like I'm talking about a first world problem because when you're talking about you know, I was looking to have more control over my life because the financial part of my life, because I realized after two times that the stock market was not going to provide that to me. I had no control over Wall Street or if it was going to go up, down, sideways. And so then I started understanding that the proof of concept for real estate was pretty easy. Someone pays you rent for a place to stay. You have a series of costs. Some of them are operating. Some of them are debt related. So financing, and you get to keep everything else provided you're giving a good service. And so when I started seeing that that was happening and that I still kept paying 40 plus percent in income tax, then I started looking for a solution to my first world problem, which was how can I actually keep more of my income tax and keep the income from my income tax so that I could then use that capital in other types of streams of investing, like passive income, like like self-storage, for instance, or for other stuff or other multifamily properties. And so what I started doing was looking for a way. I was asking different questions. And the question was, you know, it does something exist out there for me to be able to do that. When I found out the answer was yes, I then started moving more towards the energy sector. And so as I moved towards the energy sector, I started learning more and asking more questions and finding out, you know, what are the right types of things and opportunities to invest for me? Because everybody has different thresholds and risk tolerances and things like that. And so then once I found out what what existed out there, I stayed in the energy sector. And so I started investing in the energy sector. I've been doing that just over three years now and have found a way to be able to, on the first hand, like generate returns. Cause I think that's the most important thing. Anytime you're going to make an investment is you're able to generate returns 
And at the same time, investing in the types of vehicles that allow me to keep more of my income tax upfront. So it's really combining that part that I was missing from the real estate, which was great for the passive losses, but it wasn't able to help me on keeping more of my income. And by now keeping more of my income, it allowed me to put even more investment dollars in my real estate because that's the real tax efficiency machine that I started realizing that I that I wasn't understanding upfront. So specifically investing in the energy sector, being able to have strong income tax benefits upfront, and then also being able to generate, you know, the idea is to be able to generate consistent future returns moving forward. That, and that's the thing that I've been doing over the last three years at this point. Awesome. As well, as well as the passive investing in, in other real assets like real estate. Snowballing and everything. And one of the things that- so I hear folks talk about oil and gas investing, you know, kind of, you know, not on air type of things. And, you know, that's a topic that I've kind of wanted to broach on the show, but I, I, I have two problems in that area really is that I don't know how to evaluate whether an oil and gas person is legitimate, number one. And number two, I've talked with passive investors out there and heard a lot of negative things. Now, that is almost certainly a, a, a selection bias to some degree in that only the people who have negative things to say really want to talk about it. If you're doing really well, people are just like, yeah, you know, let it go. It's going to be fine. What are your what are your thoughts on that? I mean, because that that's it's it has me stuck trying to talk about it, but not knowing. What no. Yeah. Say. I mean, I think it, whenever there's a curiosity, it's the idea is to how do you find out more about it? And as I mentioned before, I believe that you have as an investor, you have your own identity. And there are some things that if you know about them, you will feel more comfortable about them. If you don't know anything about them, everything is perceived as risky, right? If if somebody asked me to go play, I don't know, some sport that I have no idea, but it, you, you have to go skating on your blades or you want to have like Brazilian jitsu. It's, it, to me, it seems very, very risky and I'm going to get my nose broken every time. But I guess if you probably have studied it, you've watched other people do it, you've been able to ask them the questions, you've gotten the responses that make you feel comfortable, well, then you may actually jump out there and, and kind of roll around. But because you have be educated yourself, you've taken time, you've learned from other people. And so if I think about that and specifically, you know, I, I talk about energy, but, you know, as we talk about oil and gas specifically, I think, well, no, I don't think, I know for sure that you need to be informed. You have to ask the questions. What are the things that First and foremost, what are you trying to achieve? Like if you're, if you're looking for a way to be able to keep more of your income tax because you know that you want to put more of that into other real estate investments, well, then this is a solution that potentially could work for you. So then if you, tech, if you tick that box, then the question is, is like you're doing now, Taylor, is to find out more about it. Okay. Are we talking about something where you're actually going out and you're exploring, you're drilling for a brand new rig? Well, if you if that's what you're in, then it's a really highly speculative part because you're going to either hit or you're not going to hit a new well reserve. After that, are you looking for something that's already identified? You just want to be able to squeeze more out of it? Well, it's probably going to be less risk in that because you're going to an already known entity. It's then the question is how much of is left in that reserve? And so as you start to get exposed, then you ask new questions. The, the one thing I would say, Taylor, is every single time you have a question, it's really important to ask because the worst thing that can happen, and I did this early on in my investing career, like I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to look like the person who <laughs> should have already known the question. And I hurt myself mm -hmm. because here's the thing that happens. If you ask the question, one of two things is going to happen. Either the person that's in front of you is going to answer it 
and they're going to, they should answer it in a way that makes you feel comfortable so that you can either go, yes, I'm comfortable with this. No, I'm not comfortable with this. Thank you very much. And if they're not able to do it, then that should be a really big red flag. And when I say that person can't answer you, it, I mean that person or someone on their team. And the reason I say that is I get sometimes, I get really technical questions sometimes. I'm not a technical person, but I have people on my team that can get those answers. And then those answers have to come back. And I'm really, really going to just focus on this. They have to be answered in a way that makes you as a potential investor or investor family members, as we like to call it, comfortable with the response so that you can make an informed decision. Like that's your role. Your role is to help someone make an informed decision. Your role is not to get somebody to invest in your stuff. It's all right, cool. You have this particular problem. And I've told people before, like they're looking at this, they don't even have the problem that this particular investment vehicle solves. And so I will tell you, I don't think this is probably the right investment vehicle for you because your issue, the one, the first world problem that you're trying to solve is a different one, you know? So, so hopefully that answers your question. I, I completely understand where you would have that or you and speaking on behalf of your, of your audiences, Hey, I've got some interest in this, but I don't ask because it seems like, you know, oil and gas can get a bad, bad rap and did it because that person didn't have the, do, didn't do the due diligence. They were like Billy when he was starting out in investing and he had this really big question, but didn't ask. And then found out later that because he didn't ask the question, he didn't get the answer he needed or she, or she needed. And things kind of blew up. Things kind of went south. So hopefully that's not too long winded. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. And I, I'm glad that you, you know, encourage listeners to ask questions about, you know, no matter what it is, because that's the way I've learned things too. And, and I've learned so much about just real estate investing in general through hosting this podcast and asking yeah. basically whatever question I want. You gave us a couple of examples of types of projects yeah. that are in, in the oil and gas space, new develop or new drilling, and then also getting basically older wells and kind of revamping them. Is there anything else in the space that is being done? Oh man, there's so many different things. I mean, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of even innovation that's happening on the front end to be able to produce more oil and gas, right? I mean, you think about some of the things that we're doing, we're using a just different technologies, helping the environment in terms of being able to capture and absorb CO2, right? Cause that's a really big issue nowadays. We talk about the Paris agreement or the, you know, they over here, they say the Paris accord and being able to reduce the, the levels of CO2 in the atmosphere. And so if you can use a, a technology like we're using on the front end, which is capturing carbon, CO2, being able to use that then in the production of additional oil and gas from already renowned, known reserves, like that's pretty phenomenal because you're tying innovation into something that's been around for a really long time. And I know you, you mentioned, I'll probably get a chance to say it, but I mean, if there's someone who's an accredited investor and they're interested in just getting some information, like we've made a really simple, like like document that you can download, you can go to firstgencp.com forward slash pay less tax. And like I said, if you're an accredited investor and you're look, you're, you have that first world problem, the same one that, you know, some of our investor family members have is trying to be able to keep more of your income. So you can then create that, 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 that lifestyle for yourself because you have more vehicles, more assets working for you. Firstgencp.com forward slash pay less tax. Interesting. Great. So I think it's important to be clear. Tell me if you'd agree with this or not, but I think you would. Yeah. That I think folks are in general kind of looking for that magic bullet that's going to get them all their financial needs and I'm going to be totally financially free. And you hit that point in, in 2021 and this was part of your strategy, but you did so much work on the front end. This yeah. was kind of just the last piece in a way that helped you kind of save on taxes and get you to that point. And that's kind of the top of the point of this discussion 
is that it was a part of your tools in the tool belt, but it's not like, oh, invest in oil and gas and you're going to be no, no, no. financially yeah, yeah, no, free. No, no. Yeah, I, comp- I, I agree with you. And as I mentioned, you know, this is investing over a decade and this is figuring out what works. It started out in the stock market. The stock market, I realized, is not the place that I like because I don't have any control. I really like real assets. I really like the, the tax efficiencies, the ability to build wealth that comes with investing specifically in real estate, the smaller multifamily, investing with other people who are great syndicators like yourself to be able to have these real assets working for me, having assets like ATM machines that are working for me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, understanding what that is, recognizing that I still had other first world problems I was solving. And that's what led me to ask different questions. And that's why I got into the energy space. There are even other things that I start thinking about today, which is you know, really involved in understanding how I can get other types of vehicles to work for me, like life insurance. Like that's another vehicle. It has a completely different way that it can work for me and my family and help us to achieve our first world goals. And so I think that it never stops. My, my understanding in my life and my experience is that this is a never ending process because our goals, our desires, our wants are constantly changing. And we have to be constantly educating ourselves, constantly networking with people that know more than us, that can help us ask the questions that we have in our gut so that we can make an informed decision as to whether to include this asset or not as part of the different vehicles that are helping us get closer to our our life goals every single day. And if your life goal is to travel around the world first class once a year, we'll get the vehicles that are going to help you do that. If it's to help you retire or, or not have, have the optionality to work in in the corporate world and be able to do that in your late forties and walk away, well then do that. Or if it's just to say, look, I just want to be able to make sure that when I'm 65, I have, you know, X number of, of currency coming in every single month, or whatever it is. And so I think that's the, that's the most important thing is what is important to you. And then how are you using all of these different vehicles? In my case, it took a decade. Some people it may take three decades. Other people it may take five. You just don't know, but you got to know yourself or get surrounded with people that can, are going to help you to think and elevate the way that you're doing things. Well, it's funny. It's, we've never talked about it, but you actually hit on one of my travel around the world first class, although not once a year, whenever I want. That's one of my personal goals. That's I'm it. not there yet, but uh, yeah, yeah. and there's a few things that, you know, we're going to move on to the three questions I ask every guest of the yeah. show, but there's a few things that I think we we really haven't touched on that we're kind of taking almost for granted. You you mentioned that you know you're you were a high income earner at your day job number one number two you didn't mention but i think this is kind of implied you definitely had financial discipline and still do you weren't mm-hmm. spending more than you make you know we all know high income earner earners i think some you know doctors can tend to be a good example they get a med school have all this med school debt start making a lot of money buy a really nice car buy a really big house and then they're you know don't have any money left over at the end of the day yeah. 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 No, it's, it's a great point. So I grew up, like I mentioned, middle class, lower middle class. And so I watched my parents struggle, Taylor, like they struggled financially. They had to make really difficult decisions at the end of the month. Like, are you going to pay this bill? Are you going to pay that bill? You know, we always had food in the house, but sometimes dinner, like cereal was for dinner. And so when you, when I grew up that way, I just knew that I never, I always wanted to have more financial means. And that was something that was really big that my parents talked about. And so when I went to college, the first person to go to college, I also, I had scholarships, I had grants and I had loans. And so when I came out of college, I had a lot of loans and I was fortunate to be able to live with my aunt. I lived very humbly and I was traveling 25 to 28 days a month. So the money that I was saving for my per diem, I stashed it away. And 
when I, I had very, you know, I was, I was traveling, I was on per diem. And then when I wasn't traveling, I didn't do too much. And so I was very disciplined. And the first thing that I worked on was making sure that I paid off my student debt. And so in less than five years, all of my student debt was paid off. I didn't have a glamorous life, but I had enough to be able to move to Paris for a year Man. and take a one-year sabbatical. That's right. Awesome. And so, yeah. And so it, it, but that was what was important to me at that point in time. But I've always been disciplined around money because I've always respected it because I didn't ever, and I don't want to have to ever live like I saw my parents live financially, struggle. They gave us a lot of love, a lot of emotional support, but they knew what they knew. And now they've helped us, me, my brother and sister, to be where we are. And, you know, we're all different and stuff like that. But it's been one of those things that's always been a big driver, a big motivator for me is to have that financial discipline. But what happened was I got caught in what happens to many people. I thought keeping all that money in my bank account because I didn't grow up around people that were financially educated. I thought keeping a bunch of money stuck in my bank account and just watching the numbers go up, it gave me a sense of false security because that money was eroding. It is eroding every single day. And it wasn't until I started reading certain books or started listening to certain people that I started realizing what the true money game is and that you can't have it just stacked to the ceiling. You've got to let it flow. Because unless it's actually moving, it's investing, it's doing stuff, it's taking risks, you're losing every day anyway. And so having that financial discipline, having this very um, financially uneducated background that I came from, I fell into a lot of the traps, which is why I was waiting until my almost 40 years old and keeping all this money in the bank because I thought it kept me safe. I thought that's what, what the whole game was about. And it wasn't until I started releasing that, I, I, then I realized now I get it. Now I get it. I felt uncomfortable. I felt really like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my money. And I've lost money. Like I remember one of my early days, I lost $25,000 because I forgot to read an, a home inspection report. It was clearly, I got, I got comfortable and it came back to bite me in the butt about a year and a half or a year and a quarter later, but that's okay. That's part of what's happening. You know, I've talked, you just mentioned it earlier. I mean, there are people that maybe they've invested in something that was a Ponzi scheme. Well, they're going to learn. They're not going to do it the same the okay. same thing next time. But if you just keep your money in the bank account, almost guaranteeing that you're going to lose the game. Absolutely. Wow, man. Well, I always love having you on the show. We could talk forever. You're such an interesting guy. So much knowledge. But right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and Get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Billy, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show, but you've been on the show before and you've answered those questions. So I got three new ones for our returning guests. Oh, okay. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite book? Number one, what is your favorite book, whether fiction or nonfiction, business or personal enjoyment? Yeah, the one that I, so it's hard, which is my favorite, but the one that I usually like to talk about, especially in these kinds of things, is a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island by J. Edward Griffin, because it's the book that absolutely changed the way, like I was just talking about before, right? You think about keeping money and you're just stacking it. 
And I started realizing that there's a much larger game that is geopolitical in nature, and there's a lot more control or lack thereof in terms of the way that currency is produced. And that one really opened my eyes to what what is so nicely called the banking cartel. And and that that's the thing, right? Really the, the birth of the, the the Federal Reserve, 1913, talking about the, the people that took the train from the East Coast down to that small island in Georgia, because it's not Mr. Jack, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. <laughs> Hyde, it is the creature from Jekyll Island. And that's the one that, I, it's a big book. It took me a while to read it. I actually got that plus the Audible, but it's the one that I say without a doubt that um, I like to recommend the most. Interesting, great. I actually haven't read that yet, but I've heard of it so many times, you know, so I'll have to actually sit down and read it. So we had your favorite book. And now we move on to question yeah. number two. What is a tool, system, strategy, piece of technology, something in your business that is a keystone you just could not possibly live without? Yeah, so there's, two things. And I know I don't like to do a lot of like brand recognition stuff, but being able to have video conferencing, right? Especially for someone like me who is long distance in nature, right? I live in Europe, residing in Europe and having my business activities hundred percent back in the United States. It's really important to be able to get a face-to-face with someone. And I use different apps on my phone. You know, you've got WhatsApp and stuff like that. But the one that I tend to use more than everything, especially when it's about generating and creating new relationships is, is Zoom. I mean, that's the one that, uh, that I kind of go to. I, I, I wouldn't, my business and I, we would not be able to live without. Great. Well, the good news is that in a way that maybe it's not good news, but the world got so much more comfortable with video yeah. conferencing as a result of COVID, COVID itself not being good news, but no. yeah, yeah. we had to take a leap forward. So yep. number three, where are you excited to travel this year, 2023? So it's probably going to be, it's going to sound so weird, but like being able to travel to the United States, you know, we do that quite frequently. And however, it's just really looking forward to being able to do that in 2023, being able to get back because this is just an extension of the lifestyle that I wanted to build with my family, which was to be able to have that freedom of choice to travel when we want, where we want, with whom we want. And one of the things I mentioned before, because of some of the things that happened with my dad's health, it's really important that I have the flexibility to be able to go with my family and, and travel to the U.S. And so U.S. travel is the is the thing that really looking forward to primarily on the East Coast. Love it. Well, Billy, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great reconnecting with you. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Yeah, sure, man. I think the best way, and we talked about it before, especially if you're someone who's an credit investor and you're looking to to get started with the education and be able to keep, look at seeing if there's a new vehicle that may help you, you can go to firstgencp.com forward slash pay less tax. Firstgencp.com forward slash pay less tax is, the, is a great way to get to know more about us. As you know, because you were guest number nine, <laughs> guest number nine, man, you're super brave. The Going Long podcast, you can check us out doing that twice a week. It's a great way to find out the things that we're talking about. And then also too, I love being able to connect with people on LinkedIn, as you know, Taylor. So I think I'm still the only Billy Keels in Barcelona, Spain. So <laughs> check me out there. Check check me out there as well. And just let me know you heard Taylor and I uh, speaking here and uh, be great. And Taylor, listen, man, I, I really appreciate what it is that you're doing. It's fantastic. Love seeing the progress and uh, you're continuing to make massive impact, man. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here to share just a little bit my, of my story with, with you and your audience. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Like Billy mentioned a little bit earlier, that helps us out so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. 
That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're building wealth on Main Street along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.